Did you know Shopify doesn't allow more than 100 combinations of options on a product? What? No. Fortunately, there's a solution. Bold Product Options app, the number one options app on Shopify. Tell me more. It allows you to create as many options on products as you want in every type you can imagine. Like what? File uploads, text fields, text areas, radio buttons, checkboxes, color swatches, date pickers, and a couple others I forgot. Wow. Now, not only can it change prices on products, or those options can actually be products too. How so? All right, here's an example. An option could be add the matching hat or add a protective case. And then when customers select it, it actually adds that product in the checkout, increasing your average order value. But I hate long forms. Well, to boost conversions, Bold's conditional logic feature lets you show or hide options based off of what customers pick. For example, if you select custom engraving, then we only want to show the custom engraving text field after they've checked that box. Okay, where can I get it? If you need sophisticated options or just more than the standard 100 variant limit, this is the app you need. Right now, Bold is offering listeners of the unofficial Shopify podcast their product options app free for two months. Just go to kurtelster.com slash bold to install it and get your exclusive offer. That's kurtelster.com slash bold. I'm heading there now. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily, and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Today on the Unofficial Shopify Podcast, we are going to talk themes. Oh my gosh, themes are one of the most important stress-inducing decisions you make for your store. Because once you have selected a theme, you're going to put a ton of time and effort and possibly money in the form of development into it. So it really, it, it's a high-stakes decision for a lot of people. And then every Shopify merchant discovers eh, you're going to learn at least a little bit of theme development. Otherwise, you're going to be tearing your hair out. It just makes life easier when you understand your Shopify theme as a merchant. Because with e-commerce, as you scale, eh, some days, some days it, it feels like a game of whack-a-mole. Where it's like, I got th this issue on this one browser, on this one device. I got to fix that. Oh, I need this app to fix that. Uh, oh, my gosh. So today, I have found for you one of the smartest people on the planet when it comes to themes. Our guest today is Ann Thomas. She spent almost five years at Out of the Sandbox as their technical director, working on a few themes you may have heard of, like Turbo and Flex. Yes, what Turbo? My gosh, that we've used that more than any other theme in the last three years. So her knowledge of the Shopify platform runs deep. And she has recently started her own company, Shop Critique, where she works with merchants to help them make over their shops and make sure they're using their themes and apps in the best ways possible. And sure, certainly she has an offer for you at the end of this. We gotta, she got to plug herself, of course. But today I am going to ask her your burning theme questions and we're going to talk through some theme issues. All right, enough of me. Let's get into it. Anne, how are you doing? I'm doing really great. That was such a wonderful intro. Thank you for that. My goodness. Oh, so my pleasure. <laughs> so uh, how long, when did you get involved with Shopify themes? How long have you been, been, been getting down and dirty with theme code? 
Oh gosh. Um, I, I built my first Shopify theme, custom theme. Um, I, I believe it was back in 2014 or 20, yeah, it would have been 2013 or 2014, um, back when I was working at an agency. Um, and then uh, working for Out of the Sandbox, I started working there in 2016. So it's it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> and you spent five years there, huh? Yeah, so it uh, almost five years. I just left this this past year, um, but uh, yeah, spent a good long time there, and it's just been the, the Shopify ecosystem is just a fantastic place to be. I think there's really great developers and people doing really cool things, and uh, so yeah. But just it was time to come on and start my own thing. No, absolutely, and especially like in this industry, spending five years anywhere, that's an eternity compared to um, you know, maybe some other industries. Just tech moves so fast, and this industry is so young. Like, realistically, very few of us have any idea what we're actually doing. It's just, we've not been doing this that long. Well, it's true, and you know, I actually, so I've been doing web development, not just Shopify, but web development for over 12 years now, and you know, when I started, it was ActionScript and Flash. So yeah, lots changed. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So in, um, well, uh, let's, let's talk about your time at Out of the Sandbox. What, what were you responsible for? What, what did you do there? Uh, so I was the third full-time employee that was hired. Um, and when I actually initially started, I was doing development and then also helping a bit on support as well, which honestly was fantastic because it really gives you that insight into what merchants are struggling with and, you know, what we never got questions about in certain themes. And then, things that we got questions about all the time. So that really helped, you know, a little bit informing our product roadmap and where we were going and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, from there, um, you know, the team grew and um, I became technical director and then um, had a team of six people. And yeah, it was a really fantastic journey. And what... Uh... So are you directly responsible for some of these these themes we know and love? I mean, I worked with Brad um, and a lot of other great people on them. But um, I would say that, so when I came on um, with uh, Turbo, uh, it was at a point where it was looking good. But there were definitely some things that um, I helped to contri contribute to. Um, so that was uh, really fun to be able to work on new features. Um, and then I would say we we released in between Flex and, and Turbo, which not a lot of people know about. We uh, we released Artisan as well, um, and that was in the theme store as opposed to selling um, off the the theme store. Um, but I would say that the theme I probably have the most um, that I was the closest with would be Flex in terms of building the platform um, and really coming at it from the angle of okay, if I were a developer working at an agency back back in the day, what would I have kind of wanted to sort of get up running quickly and sort of get something out the door? Um, and that's where the inspiration for Flex came from. When you were there and you said you were doing support, what's the thing that surprised you most? Like, what's the thing where you're like, wow, I can't believe that like, this is the thing that is making people pull their hair out. Oh, um, hmm. it's hard to pin down just one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would say, well, it would probably be the theme updates. Um, I, I think that one of the things that is tricky with uh, Shopify themes is that unlike in other spaces, you know, if you have an iOS app or if you have a WordPress theme, um, you can do something called continuous deployment where you're sort of constantly pushing updates and that's totally fine and people can just update and it's easy breezy. Um, that's not the case uh, with Shopify themes, unfortunately. So you know, we have to be very careful about how often updates are released um, and also making sure that they're as bug-free as possible, which isn't always, you know, QA is not perfect. Um, so theme updates are definitely something that's a pain point in Shopify. And then the other thing that we would also hear about quite a bit on support um, was just people wanting to customize things in terms of, oh, I want this button to be a certain color or, uh, you know, I, I want this font to be slightly larger or smaller. Um, anything that we sort of left out and we made more of an opinion design decision about, those are generally the things that people would write into support about saying, well, I want to be able to change this. And that's always tricky to to accommodate because you either have to, you know, send them a, a little CSS snippet or build it as a setting into the theme. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that's um, 
that's going to make this easier in the future when we're able to more completely separate uh, contented code. It's going to be sections everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's been announced. It's been announced at the last two Unites. We're looking for it. It's a huge, it's a, a big paradigm shift, right? Mindset. And so <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, tell me about sections everywhere. It's not available yet. You know, we're, we're hoping and dreaming. What's this thing potentially going to look like? Yeah, I think I think that Sections Everywhere is going to be great for a couple of reasons. Um, one is obviously going to be have having the functionality of on the home page, for example, you have sections that you can add. Now you can't do that on other pages unless you're using you can kind of mimic it with blocks, you know, on a page.details section for for example, or page.details page. Um, but the nice thing about sections everywhere is this idea that okay, you can have that control and that uh, unique content on a product page or a blog page or just like a regular page, like being able to create, you know, a landing page that you can use for sales or, or what have you. Right now, that's actually not very easy to do in, in Shopify unless you're using a page builder or you get some custom development. Um, the other interesting thing will be the uh, component to it will be app sections. So how apps can actually um, have functionality in the setting in the sections as well. So I'm really interested to see how that um, gets put into place. But Shopify is generally fairly like cloak and dagger in terms of, you know, you usually don't know until you know. So um, I'm trying hard not to make any sort of assumptions about what sections everywhere is going to fully look like until I have all of the, the details officially from Shopify and the announcements. Uh, the, yes, that is the, the safe bet because it's software like it can yeah. change and it has to accommodate, you know, a feature like this has to accommodate literally a million individual use cases. Right. And so that makes it really complicated and subject to change. Oh, yeah, definitely. And even just like from a development point of view, you know, it's a lot more difficult to store that amount of unique data that's going to be across all those different page templates and blogs and that kind of thing without slowing down stores. So there's a lot of things to take into account for sure. So we've got sections everywhere coming down the pipe in the future. It will be fabulous and amazing. Yes. <laughs> One of the the recent updates we got was the performance report. Yeah. Which uh, shop. Uh, I'm happy to see a focus on performance. I was admittedly disappointed that the ori- the first version um, is just giving me Google Lighthouse page speed scores, but I've already they've already seen a few updates where it's like, okay, it is getting better and further from just um, from you know quote unquote just Google Lighthouse. Uh, but in keeping performance in mind, are there any obvious things to do or like top fixes you see? that merchants can should look to or implement to make their stores faster. How, if I'm a merchant and I'm worried about PageSpeed score, what can I do to make my store faster? Oh gosh, yeah, such a big question. You see it a lot these days, that's for sure. And it's interesting because, you know, I remember working on, on Turbo back three years ago and, you know, Turbo was actually, um, I think it was the, f- well, if not the first, one of the first themes to actually implement um, lazy loading um, and lazy sizes library in a theme, which is um, where it's uh, using responsive images to make sure that you don't, you know, you aren't loading a 1200 pixel image on your mobile phone. Um, so we were very, very heavily investing in performance um, back when we were developing uh, Turbo. And obviously, the interesting thing, too, is that in three years, a lot of stuff changes in web development. That's a very long time. Um, so uh, I would say that, you know, in terms of currently making their stores faster, images make a big difference. I know, it, it, but it, it's one of those things where you have to weigh what you're doing to improve performance and also weighing, okay, but you also want to make your store um, look good, right? Because if you strip out all of the images uh, on your shop, it's going to load really, really quickly. Um, but then, you know, your customers aren't going to actually see what your product looks like and you have no lifestyle images and you have no branding. Um, so I would say the low hanging fruit um, is I would recommend doing um, a bit of a sort of self app audit. Uh, so I don't know if this is too technical for sort of average merchants, but I, I feel like a more savvy merchant can, can totally handle it. 
So I'd actually recommend using something called um, a domain blocker to test out your store. Um, so yeah, I don't even know what this is. Run okay. this past me. Okay, okay. So uh, if you're using Chrome, uh, there's a Chrome extension uh, called uh, Domain Blocker. And what it does is, so, and this is really, this is this is advice for merchants that are running, let's say, you know, 20, 15 to 20 apps in their store. If, if you're not running any apps in your store, this is not for you. This is only for shops that, you know, have a lot of uh, apps and they know that, okay, they have the most updated version of their theme. So they're like, cool, we're good there. And they're really trying to figure out where are the bottlenecks? Like, why is my site not loading as fast as possible? So when you run it through a speed tool, so whether it's Google Lighthouse or web page test is my personal favorite. I also think that um, testmyspeedscore.com is quite good. Um, and so, when you run it through any of those tests, what you'll find is you'll you'll get back all of these URLs. You'll be like, whoa, that's, that's like a lot of information. But you'll find that some are sort of being identified as slowing down the store. So whether they're in red, whether you can see that, you know, oh, it's taken a really long time to load or what have you. And then what you want to do is actually match up those, look for keywords in that little, you know, string of letters and numbers that you see there, the little domain look for keywords that say like, okay, this says something related to, you know, this specific app. So then what you're going to do is you're going to install this um, domain blocker, and then you're going to actually look at all the different domains that are being loaded on your shop. And what it'll actually allow you to do is to block certain domains. So what this does is you can then reload your shop and see, okay, is my shop like significantly faster now? And this is, this is not, you know, I wouldn't recommend, um, you know, looking at all the numbers and this kind of thing. It's more just sort of a perceived performance because there are some apps out there that can slow things down quite a, quite a lot. So, and they, the, Oh, I, Oh, I want to ask you to name some offenders, but I know I no, should. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep all my friends. No, it's a, uh, yeah, there, there are definitely some out there. Um, and, but it is good. I would say with Shopify's new emphasis on, on performance, because it does highlight and, you know, merchants start writing in being like, Oh, why, you know, I'm, I'm doing an audit of all of my apps and this kind of thing. And it's slow. What's going on. So they'll kind of follow up, which is, which is great. And then it puts more of a accountability on app and theme developers. So anywho, um, with this uh, with this Chrome extension, then what you can also do is you uh, if you right click on your page and go to inspect element, you're going to open up your web inspector, which I know is again, we're getting kind of like technical here, but open up your web inspector and you'll see something called the network tab. And then in that network tab, this is actually will show you all of the files that are getting downloaded um, when you are. So they're, they're going to servers and they're grabbing these files and they're coming back and then putting them all together. And that's sort of how your website is created, essentially. So you'll see a little disable cache button when you're on that network tab. And what that'll do is when you refresh the page, um, it will not use the images and the files that are cached in your web browser. Instead, it'll refresh everything sort of so you can get a better sense of how your site is actually performing. Because when you're just refreshing it on your own, you're actually not getting a very accurate view of it. You can get it a little bit better if you open it up in private um, mode. So like privacy mode. So if you're on your phone or that kind of thing, um, it just gives you a better sense of, you know, where uh, you can improve your performance. Like, is your product page really slow? Are your collection pages really slow? So I know I'm talking a lot about how to test for speed, um, but I think it's important to kind of arm yourself with more knowledge in terms of identifying, okay, if there's this one app that is wildly slow, they're loading way too much, you know, JavaScript or something like that, then you know, you can either go back to that app developer and say, hey, what the heck, you know, or find a better app that doesn't have those same issues. Uh, I, I know you're right. And I know that it will become misguided for some people. Like I, we've got uh, four apps in the sh in the app store, and we intentionally made them ninety nine percent liquid, so they they run on Shopify server side mm -hmm. and render before it ever hits the cus the the customer in the web. And uh, a few times now, I've had people go, "Hey, uh, I had I really like your app, but I had to install it because it was really slowing my site down." According to like this one tool that, and like I know they're misreading it, yeah. so I flat out a couple times. This is neither here nor there, but I've told them, I said, hey, I, I know it looks like that. I know you think that. Do me one favor. Test the store without my app installed yeah. and test it with my app installed and see what the difference is. And then I never hear back. 
to date, I don't know if anyone has ever taken me up on that challenge. But it's like you know, with one, if you have one conspicuous app, that's a really straightforward way to do it. Um, but if, you're right. If you've got 30, 40 apps, which increasingly I see that, you know, a store that'll have 30 to 40 apps. Yeah. I think doesn't the average store have seven or eight? That's if I see seven or less than double digits, I'm like, oh, wow, you only have a handful. Yeah, I, it's true. There are, there are so many. And that's that's kind of why this Chrome extension is quite nice, because, you know, the worst thing you want to do that you don't want to do as a merchant is go in and just start willy nilly, just deleting your apps, just delete, delete delete um because you know sometimes that doesn't actually delete the code from your theme uh so yeah that's a real problem (laughs) yeah don't do that (laughs) yeah so the issue um so uh, the shopify app can install code directly into the theme and honestly i like those because that's liquid code it's much more performant than say javascript usually Usually. you know it can also go wildly wrong (laughs) yeah um which we had we this the slowest site we ever built was would take 30 seconds to load a collection. And it turned out it was just a, a loop issue that we fixed. And suddenly the site loaded in two seconds. Yeah, loops are... Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, oh, and uh, oh, so you install an app and it adds a bunch of liquid code. And then when you click uninstall, uninstall is such a misnomer because what it really does is just end the billing and the, the app's connection to your store. Mm-hmm. And it's done intentionally, so I'm told, so that you don't have uh, malicious app developers break the theme because it got uninstalled or try to remove their own code and then unintentionally break the theme. So you, what I, I would recommend is um, a make backups of the theme before you install an app. And then that way you could switch real yeah. quick if it slows down your store um, or use, you know, like a rewind to run backups um, so that you can restore it. Or most, uh, if people message me, you know, or submit a support ticket, and they say, hey, I uninstalled your app. I just want to make sure all the code's removed. I'll tell them, all right, absolutely. And we even trigger an email on uninstall. They get an email that's like, here's how to remove all the code. Yeah, yeah, but, that's great. I wish more theme developers did that. No, uh, oh, yeah, it would, it would certainly be helpful. We were talking about performance. Shopify recently implemented WebP. Are you familiar with this change? Yes, it's been, it's been I'm trying to think when, when they actually made that change, but I was really, really- it was this year. Yeah, it was definitely this year. Um, I was really, really happy to, uh, to, to see that. Um, well, what is it? Why should I care and how does it work? Okay, so the way that WebP works um, is, so the, the goal with any, any type of image format is that you want it to load as quickly as possible, right? Like that's, that's the thing is that um, images are something that takes a long time to grab from a um, server. Uh, and so there also can be quite large. So it's not uncommon to see, you know, really large images on a site. And the, the, the bad thing about that is not only for performance, um, but also for people's data plans. Um, so, you know, it, the I know that up in Canada we have our our phone bills and this kind of thing like for data it's very very expensive so I know what's the deal with your Canadian cell phones oh they're so expensive they're so expensive and the worst thing is is let's say you only have you know 500 megs of data or something like that which is not uncommon I know that sounds ridiculous but so you might I've heard this before where let's say you're testing on um uh, you know you're not on, on a Wi-Fi network for example you're just like testing and then you're reloading the page and maybe you have it on private mode because you're testing something out or what have you, you could actually kill your data plan very, very quickly doing that way. So WebP, uh, they are um, similar to uh, PNGs in the fact that they're uh, lossless, but they're actually 26% uh, smaller. Did I just Google to see how much smaller they were? Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, they, uh, they're, they're, they're really great. Basically, they're they're what you want to be serving your images as. And there are lots of other, um, you know, uh, apps and that kind of thing, or you don't even need an app. There's, you can run them on your desktop instead for your images. So a lot of times with images, um, they might be saving certain things along with them. So metadata, for example. So what these apps will do is they'll go in and they'll actually strip out all of that extra metadata. The, the goal at the end of the day really is just to make everything, so whether that's your images, whether that's your files, whether that's your SVGs, whatever, to make them as small as possible so that you know when they're flying along those different uh, tubes of the internet, that they'll actually get there uh, faster. That's why we use CDNs, for example, which are the content delivery networks. Shopify has one. It just means that you're actually hosting those files on a server that's clo- that gets closer to you. 
Okay, sweet. Uh, and to implement, to take advantage of WebP, my understanding is I have to do nothing. Correct. Yep, Shopify handles it all for you. And it just, it, it switched over and happened magically in the background. Yep. Oh, that rules. Yeah, that's pretty great. So we have an, an instant win. All right, I think my, my last performance question here is talk to me about video's impact on performance because video is an odd a strange animal the way uh web browsers handle it and it's i'm sure in part that google has a sizable investment in a certain streaming platform (laughs) yeah yeah definitely um you know it's funny i actually don't have a huge amount of knowledge on on this specific topic uh video to be perfectly honest i do know that there are ways um in terms of you know, lazy loading your videos is always a good thing. Um, same thing with um, maps. So uh, maps on the page, because what can happen is you might have a video that's further down uh, on your theme or on your shop or what have you. And um, if you haven't sort of properly um, got those libraries set up so that maybe they're being deferred on load and what have you, if they're all loading right away, it it basically just slows things down. So if you can kind of wait until the user has scrolled down to actually, you know, that area or um, of the video or, or what have you, it'll actually help with performance in that regard. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Um, so we've done a lot with video and what saves you with video over a photo and why a photo can is way more likely to be detrimental to performance than a video is the video streams and it's loaded mm. asynchronously. Like I don't, the page will render and then the video plays is what happens. And so by virtue of that, um, especially if you have like a fallback image that it can, and you do it as like the first frame of the video, no one will ever feel it. They won't notice that it's having to load buffer stream. It'll just look like it works. So uh, counterintuitively video way less of an issue for performance uh, than anyone might think yep. so if you're holding off on video because you're scared of its impact on performance oh my gosh don't i'd rather have an extra video than an extra photo on my page yeah and actually on that topic a lot of people think that gifs are going to be better for performance than oh, videos no. and that is not the case uh yes no uh gifs are a a comically uh non-performant format yeah like often when we do performance optimization or you're looking a site calls for a gif what paul will actually do when he's developing it is convert the gif to uh to video to mp4 mm-hmm. video um it's called gif v it's just a container format for video but it is literally video with no controls autoplay looped muted yeah and so it looks and performs exactly the same as a gif but in a fraction of the size isn't that funny that like a gif is way bigger oh totally but yeah there there is the, I, I i've definitely run across people like oh gifs like they're so small and ho-ho and i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> What are some of the biggest mistakes merchants make with themes? Like, what do you see merchants doing that drives you crazy? Where you're like, oh, so close. No cigar. Oh, yeah. I think that the biggest one, and this is mainly because I I feel like merchants are hurting themselves when they do this, is when people use a free theme and they just like use all of the, you know, monthly recurring apps for any extra functionality rather than just paying the one-off cost for a premium theme. Because yeah, that one's uh, a penny wise, a pound foolish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, a theme, it's, it's a one-time cost and then you have updates for, you know, long, long time. And what I don't think a lot of people realize is that, you know, themes, um, especially when they're in the theme store. Um, although we also did this out of the sandbox for Flex and Turbo, which aren't so in the theme store, but we still did the same thing where any functionality that Shopify releases and you know says is mandatory for all the themes to get this update and, and what have you, um, all the merchants get that all for free. You know, like that's, that's just great. That's fantastic. Um, so I would say that there's definitely times where I've seen people relying on apps um, where they could be getting it for free right from the theme. So like a good example of that is um, the currency converter. So if you're using um, a uh, theme that, or sorry, if you're using Shopify payments, then all of the themes 
that are on the theme store have now they've been updated to include uh, language uh, translation, which you do need an app for that. Um, but then also currency converter, which as long as you have Shopify payments, that currency converter is built right into the theme. So if you're paying, you know, a monthly fee for a certain currency converter, then and you're just using an old version of the theme, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So that's that's that drives me crazy when I see it. Uh, yes. Yeah. I've seen that too. Or yeah, you can see it's like debut theme with a million and one apps installed. And a lot of them are like, you know, it's like three bucks, five bucks yeah. just to add a simple feature, which is, it, it's great. But that also, you know, I often tell people, Hey, you, the, my, the best part about Shopify is the app store. The worst part about Shopify is the app store. And that like, you can get access to just about any feature you want as an app. Also, you could get access to too much stuff. <laughs> Um, so, yeah. you know, it's like, and the food pyramid, it's like dessert. You, yeah. you, you got to balance those things out. Um, on the other hand, I, I do have sympathy for merchants as well, because I know it's not an easy thing to update themes. So, or learn theme development to be able to do it yourself. Right. Exactly. So I'm, yeah, I'm coming from at it. I'm coming from it at a place where I'm like, oh, well, of course you just update your theme. And, right. you know, so, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you just go just, it, oh, well just do this. <laughs> just go open the theme editor yeah. and get dangerous with it. Right. Exactly. It's, it is that. What you don't know <laughs> HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and Liquid? Right, right. <laughs> Hold up. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. I know I have. There's just a pile of packages in front of my door. I can't even get the front door open. But if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? That's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your list, send memorable emails, automate critical messages, and more. Way, way more. That's why more than 30,000 e-commerce brands like Chubby's, Brooklinen, and Keysmart use Klaviyo to build a loyal following. Strong customer relationships mean more repeat sales, enthusiastic word of mouth, and less depending on third-party ads. Now, whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster. And it's free to get started. Visit Klaviyo.com to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. Talk to him. Okay, so tell me, um, let's say I'm that merchant and I want to be, I want to be more dangerous with my theme. I really, I want to get dirty and break some stuff. Sure. What are, what are some good resources for learning about Shopify theme development? Okay, so... I would say the the best resource off the bat is to duplicate your existing theme for sure. Uh, and there's a, a very scary little button called edit code. Um, so now I don't know if this is more just from uh, my background in terms of I like to go in and break things. Um, you know, you break it and then you sort of figure out what broke and then go in and try to fix it. As long as it's your duplicate theme, so as long as it's an unpublished duplicate theme, what I recommend is going in and edit code and, and honestly, just sort of taking a lay of the land. Look at where you have certain settings. So if you see something that says, you know, section.settings.heading, and then you see that it lives in between, you know, two divs and what have you, or an H1 or whatever, and compare what that looks like on your actual site. And then maybe add like an exclamation point after those little uh, curly braces and see and then refresh the site and see what happens. It's sort of that like, okay, you know, you, you're, you're getting in, you're, 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 you have to not be afraid to kind of go in and, and tweak things a bit. But for actual like official sources, beyond just kind of going in and looking at yourself, looking at yourself, um, there's a couple ones. So depending on what stage you're at, the Shopify docs themselves, I feel like they're actually fairly, they, they have some issues sometimes, but they have some really good layouts of like the actual filters, you know, the um, different liquid filters, tips and tricks, that kind of thing. Shopify.dev um, is a good spot. Uh, Coding with Jan on YouTube is actually a really good channel um, that uh, he's been putting out a lot of content. Uh, for more advanced- How do you spell it? Um, it Y-O-N? Uh, Jan, so it's J-A-N. Oh, Jan. Yeah. I would have been like, oh, coding with Jan. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I found it. Okay. I will. Uh, oh, yeah. Coding with Jan, Shopify developer. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that in order to um, really get comfortable with uh, Shopify theme development, you're going to need to be comfortable with HTML and CSS. So I would actually recommend 
you know, there's all these like great liquid tutorials and that kind of thing. But for someone, especially for a merchant that's starting, just starting out, I would start at the very, very basics in terms of, okay, what is HTML? What is, you know, a tag? What is an HTML element? What is the DOM? Um, and then I agree. Because if you know HTML, that rich text editor in Shopify that will inevitably, if you get too fancy with it, like break something <laughs> yeah. or get weird, or even just like editing emails or like yeah. a little snippet. No, HTML is really simple. It's just a markup language. Mm -hmm. And once you know it, it becomes dramatically easier to like, like a common complaint in Shopify is, oh, I can't make the blog do what I want. My blogger doesn't look like I want. How do I do this? Yeah. Well, if you know just the bait, if you know HTML and maybe just the tiniest amount of CSS, in case you got to throw something in line or mess with a float, um, that it it's like a superpower. I mean, just knowing HTML and a tiny bit of CSS levels you up dramatically. And HTML is a thing like you could figure that out in half a day. Mm -hmm. And the, that's the easy one. Yeah. And the thing too, is that the great thing about web development just in general is there's so many free resources. So some other ones would be free code camp is really fantastic. It's a great community. Um, front end masters I've heard is excellent. That's more uh, advanced. I would say, Oh, a really good one. And I don't know if you have this, have you heard of lynda.com? Yes. Okay. So, yeah. so lynda.com has, and it depends if you like videos or not. Lynda.com is, is videos, but at least um, here in Toronto, it's actually free if you have a library card. So, oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm thinking probably there's other areas that, you know, have free resources and that kind of thing. Um, sometimes even people have, you know, at local community colleges and that kind of thing. It really is just the, the basics of HTML and CSS. I love development. And I think that a lot of people get scared of it because it's like, oh, it's, too technical or, oh, there's math. No, it's, it's very, there's no, math. no, there's no math. There's, you know, I think a well, lot CSS of CSS calc was a thing, but we're not going to get into that. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> so a few developers were like, oh, yeah. CSS calc. Um, but I would say that, uh, they're like, I would probably avoid places like Stack Overflow unless, oh. <laughs> but it can be helpful. Um, but but in terms of just that introduction, um, you know, places like Smashing Magazine, CSS Tricks, DevTO, I find Dev.to is has been it recently came about. Um, and then I'm going to do a little little personal plug. I actually also do uh, teaching and consulting. Um, so in on shop critique, I do one on one consulting. So if anyone's also interested with that, I love teaching oh, cool. development and that kind of stuff. So yeah. All right, let's go back to the trash talking. Yeah, what's your biggest pet peeve with Shopify themes? <laughs> Ooh, oh. um, I really like developing Shopify themes, but it was a struggle. I think the biggest one if I had to choose one, would be not being able to actually have a proper local environment where you can build an entire site uh, without needing an internet connection. That one um, is is very annoying, uh, especially you know other. Yeah, it's it's, and I understand why they do that um, because I don't I don't really want to manage you know multiple databases and that kind of thing. Um, but it yeah, I'd say that would be a pain point um, in terms of development. The lack of child themes. So for anyone that is familiar with WordPress, again, this is development related, but um, in terms of the maintainability of themes, especially when you know, you're know you taking, let's say uh, a premium theme and then customizing it in some way, that maintaining that over the long run um, can be a huge pain point. Um, and then I guess probably the lack of meta fields. Um, that would that would also be sorry. That's a couple. That's a, that's not really the biggest. Those are a couple of the few that I would say. Uh, yeah, no, I, I could definitely see those. Um, yeah, mine is I really I just this is probably more like Shopify admin in general. Hmm. I wish meta fields were just like a native feature that I didn't have to use an app to power. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think that would like more support for meta fields would make themes more powerful. I think it would empower more merchants. Um, I understand like it it would be like a more advanced option. I don't know. I would like to see that down the road someday. I And I'm sure it's a thing they've discussed. Like there's no way they haven't. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And and as a theme developer, I would adore that because there's so much cool functionality that you can build um with that. So, yeah, I, that would be amazing. So, uh 
when you're looking for inspiration, where do you go? Is there you know a, a gallery site, an award site? <laughs> Are there certain stores you look at? Where do you get your inspiration from? Um, I have a massive Pinterest board <laughs> that I use um, for inspiration. Uh, so yeah, that's that's probably where I save most things. Like if I if I just see a site that's really cool, I'll you know like pin it or what have you. Um, as far as you know, like e-commerce in general. Um, I think we've we've chatted before about our mutual love of the Baymard blog. Um, oh, I love Baymard. Yeah, so they're absolutely fantastic. Um, in terms of sites that, you know, e-commerce sites in general, I gravitate towards um, anything that has really interesting animations or just those like subtle little... Um, interface kind of effects are, are a, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, we actually uh, have a Slack channel um, that's called Nice Shops where we post stores <laughs> that we're like, oh, this is really cool. This is really neat. Um, so uh, I would say that, yeah, there's, there's some really cool ones out there. I mean, I grabbed some from the, I don't know if you want specific names. I did grab some from the Nice Shops <laughs> channel. Uh, not all of them are actually Shopify, but they just okay. kind of neat. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. Wait, did you say they're not all Shopify? No, they're not. No, no. Ew. <laughs> uh, all right, hit me with a few. Uh, letterlab.co, faculty.com, birdies.com, beeswrap.com. You know what's interesting is I've not heard of a single one of these. Yeah. Frankbody.com. Um yeah, those are. Oh, and um, as far as one like a more of a curated site, I love Site Inspire. Big fan. All right. So when you're when some when you or anyone is considering theme development, how should they how should they prioritize where they put in their effort? Like, am I am I pri should my number one focus be page speed? Mm. In which case, let's just make a text only site and strip out all the yeah. images. Should my focus be uh, you know just pure aesthetic? It's got to be beautiful and and end up in one of these showcase sites like pure usability, just like build it high contrast, big font, like where I know it's a balancing act, but like try and give me some way to prioritize it. Cause they're really, they're There's a lot of competing interests yeah. in designing and developing a website. I guess my question would be, uh, it, it's different if you're building a theme for the theme store versus a custom theme. Uh, I'm going to say custom. theme. Okay. Got it. So good question though. Yeah. Um, so I would say that, yeah, unfortunately performance is, is going to be quite high there in terms of what you're going to have to um, uh, prioritize. But I think something that also is worth prioritizing, even if it is a custom theme, I mean, this is a huge priority if it's uh, a theme in a theme store, but if it's a custom theme as well, is thinking about how your client is actually going to be managing that theme on a day-to-day -day basis. So that means making sure that all of the settings are really clear. You don't have any confusing UX in terms of how you set things up. Um, you know, so it's, it's manageable and that they like going in and updating their banners and, and that kind of stuff. Um, I would say that in terms of the actual code that you're writing uh, when developing a custom theme is keep it simple. So that fancy, you know, like, ooh, this is this is a really nifty piece of code. It's very, it's great. That logic, whatever you thought when you were having that moment where you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna make it super fancy and I'm not gonna comment it at all. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> you might have to, whether it's yourself or someone else, you know, six months from now, two years from now, whatever, they're gonna have to come back and look at that code, which is gonna be legacy code at this point, you know. Um, and try to figure out what was going on. So I think for themes, because they're 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 products to to me anyway. This is my own philosophy, but to me, themes are products, and they're going to be you know around for quite a while, and so they need to be maintained. So coming from you know agencies where it's like, oh, you build this site and it lives for a month, and then that's it, <laughs> it no longer exists. That's not really the case with Shopify themes. So to me, keeping it simple and making sure that your code is readable and maintainable and understandable is a super big priority, I would say. No, absolutely. And it's really, it's you're investing in uh, thanking future, things that future you will thank you for. Yes. Like, don't just put something in there like, oh, here's a quick fix. I'm just going to apply that and set important on it. Hope for the best. And then not mark down why that was. Oh my gosh. And then pretty soon you end up with 
um, what uh, my co-host Paul lovingly calls a Jenga tower theme, <laughs> where, where you don't want to knock over the Jenga tower, but there's so much going on and there's so many hot fixes for various issues when you were playing e-commerce whack-a-mole yeah. that like you change one innocuous thing and five other things break. Oh my gosh. And the downside with that is you know, that's what happens when you're not careful and you don't comment the stuff and you don't try to uh, keep everything living like all my changes to live in like custom CSS in the, the end of the file, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's a really scary feeling to to think, oh, I don't know what's going to happen if I change this. <laughs> so, yeah, it's also about being able to, um, you, well, I mean, development in general, like it's you have to write things in a way that's not super hard coded, but at the same time is specific enough that will you it will you know work for that use case and isn't too broad i mean it's it's and then hey you know what else is uh really important is naming things that's always a tricky part in development is what you're going to name that specific variable so that it makes sense when you come back and look at it and yeah what do you have any experience with user testing i do actually oh my gosh yeah uh can you give me the like five minute crash course yes okay wait four minutes <laughs> okay yes i can definitely um user testing get users to test your site. I can make it less than that. Make sure that you're actually talking to people and getting feedback on your site. Don't live in a vacuum. Don't assume everything is wonderful because you've looked at it on your devices and you think it's fine. Make sure you're actually actively asking people. In an ideal scenario for user testing, you're actually gonna give them tasks. Um, if they're gonna run through example, you know, add something to a cart, et cetera. Again, in an ideal world, you would um, get them to talk through that process. You can record it, ideally video, um, see where their mouse is going. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is just get that feedback. Don't live in a vacuum. And you make it sound simple, yet I would say a rare few merchants actually do this. Oh, yeah. They, well, a lot of people just send it to their friends and family and their friends and family are like, oh, it looks great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which you know, like, that you part of the problem is that they have a vested interest in your relationship. <laughs> you need the honest feedback. I mean, some of the like the on one of our largest sites. I mean, some of the feedback we get from users via the support ticket. Oh, they do not hold back <laughs> on when they're like. I mean, everything is like this is the worst website I've ever used. Like, calm down, buddy. <laughs> um, I don't think it's the worst. <laughs> but I mean, you want the person who is not. Um, Who's going to be unbiased about it. Yeah. And really, it's just a matter of like, ask someone who is not going to sugarcoat it to try and buy something on your website or if they run into any issues. And you want a wide variety of people because they'll have a wide variety of devices. There's how you think people are going to use your website and how they actually use it. Yeah, definitely. I have one last tip, which is a sure. little out there and weird. But um, so... It I don't know if you know with artists, what they'll often do is they'll look at their art in a mirror um, because it gives you a different perspective on things. So mm. this is a really odd one, but what you, actually, what you can actually do yourself is try to navigate your site, but look at it in a mirror. It'll give you sort of a fresh perspective on where things are, what stands out, what colors, what fonts, something that looks odd. Anyway, just an idea. You know what I do? Yeah. Uh, if I, I lean back and then I, uh, I, I blur my vision. Yeah, yeah. If I unfocus my eyes and I could still figure out like, okay, this is where these elements are and this is the layout, then I know it works. If it, if I blur my vision and I don't know what the heck I'm looking at anymore, uh, okay, probably went too subtle. <laughs> and designers like subtle. Subtle, sophisticated. It's true. It's also not terribly usable. With the tiniest, um, tiniest font. <laughs> the, yeah. Oh, remember pixel fonts from your flash days? That was a good time. <laughs> Uh, uh, okay, so lastly, lightning round. Hmm. I had asked in our... Some of these questions were from our Facebook group. And search on official Shopify Podcast Insiders on Facebook. And uh, I wanted to ask you a few of the questions uh, that were in here. So, actually, uh, off the top of your head, this is from James Circle. Any good example of a drawer cart? Like, who's got the best drawer cart? I know for me it's Chubby's. I think Chubby's drawer cart is is top notch. Oh, uh, I mean, in in terms of what's in the drawer, you know, what's funny. I actually really like Brooklyn. It, it's just like a classic slide out. It works well on mobile. Mm. You're referring to Shopify's Brooklyn theme. Yep, free theme. Yep. And has a fine, fine drawer card. Yep. The, 
Well, here's a, a variation on a question I asked you earlier. What's your number one priority when developing a theme? Speed, UX conversions, or something else? At the moment, speed. Okay. Uh, another one from the same gentleman, Taylor Page. How important are animations? So there's a really cool CSS media query where you can actually uh, say if a user has determined they don't want animations, they can have that setting in the browser for less animation. So I would say go ahead. I love animations personally, but make sure that you've also got the ability to turn them off for people that don't want them. I would, yes, I would use them sparingly. Um, but when implemented well, I think they really, they can add a lot of, of subtle sophistication. To totally can totally elevate the site. Yeah. Or you can just abuse them <laughs> silly and make like a GeoCities esque disaster, <laughs> which may be the vibe you're going for. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, some sites pull that off. Like uh, sites that are anti-design um, could probably do that. Like Pit Vipers is anti-design. Yep, yep. I'm sure they could come up some really garish animations that I would love. <laughs> uh, James Circle asked, what's the best way to implement SVG? Which we, on the rare occasion, a client supplies a, a vector logo. I love it. Yeah. SVG is so cool. Oh, SVG is amazing. Scalable vector graphics. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's no way to upload uh, an SVG um, to at least within the actual editor. You can upload it to you know the file section or what have you. Um, I would say that if you're building it specifically for a client and they have a bunch of different SVGs that they want to be able to upload on their own, you can technically set up a text area setting so that they can copy and paste the entire SVG into it. The benefit of doing something like that is that you can then display it inline on the site, meaning that you can like change the color and there's less um, HTTP requests because it's like right in there. But I feel like for most situations, it would probably be fine to just have it uploaded to the file section that you're referencing there or upload it also to assets. Basically, wherever your, your client wants it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, generally, uh, well, Google Optimize or Google Page Speed would tell us, oh, you should just put it in line in the page. But see, if it's um, in line, then it can't be cached. So... I That's where it's part of the issues with Google Page yeah. Speed is it makes these like conflicting suggestions. It, yeah, it, you have to take it with a grain of salt sometimes because if you have like a massive, you know, SG, SVG file and they can get quite large, especially if you have, you know, sometimes they can have like embedded images and well, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, so just take... I, one thing that I... One piece of advice I would say is that if you're debating between using um, like a font icon set that used to be the, the go-to way for having right. icons is with um, fonts. Now use SVG instead. Okay. Uh, Larry has a highly opinionated question oh, that I'm going to run past you <laughs> verbatim. Is it more of a comment than a question? <laughs> when are mobile focused themes coming? We look at all at teardowns on desktop and lots of functions for desktop, but 80% of sessions are now on mobile. Eh, it's more like 90. <laughs> Let's rock out a, a mobile focused theme. Amazon rocks it. When will Shopify? Okay, so Amazon does not have a responsive website. That's <laughs> you're confused there. It loads two different websites, one for mobile, one for desktop. Oh, well. Uh, all right, so this concern about that these themes are not mobile first, what do you think? Yeah, I mean... I so with, with themes, a lot of, I think it actually comes back to performance because I think, well, performance and also UX. So there are a lot of things that you can do to make a better UX experience uh, on mobile, 100%. But I think the other thing to keep in mind, especially when I know we ran into this when building themes, is that you also have to support a wide variety of different browsers, not just mobile. I'm not making excuses, but just saying that, you know, when you're building, um, you know, a native iOS app, for example, you can do some cool things that you can't do as easily in, you know, if someone is using a really old version of the Safari browser, for example, like it just won't work as well. You know, we had lots of issues with like fixed bottom bars and how those displayed and that kind of thing. So I don't know why I don't, don't want to like shove blames on blame on browser, but I feel like it's it's partly just sort of some limitations. But all that being said, yeah, I, I think there's lots of room for uh, improvement in general with thinking about looking at mobile first. Okay. Um, do you have any experience with AMP? Uh, a small amount. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I'm AMP accelerated mobile pages. Mm -hmm. So what's all the fuss here and excitement with this thing? And does Shopify support it in any way? 
So this is the in so interesting. We we would get a lot of support questions actually about this, and there are some apps that um, purport purport that's a word uh, to purport purport purport. I think yes, you know what I mean. Yeah, now I'm second yeah. guessing. <laughs> to, we'll go with claim. Yeah. Some apps that claim. Yes. The the whole idea is that um, you're serving uh, static content. Um, so similar to if you've heard of Gatsby or something like that, um, where rather than having sort of that like oh you're you're contacting the server and having things built server side and then also there's client side and that kind of thing it's basically just like a static page that gets served so that it runs very very quickly and it loads super fast my understanding and last time i checked but this was a while ago with amp is that it didn't have great support for um javascript or dynamic elements and so you know having that with shopify I haven't seen any great implementations of it just yet, but please, if anyone knows of any, let me know. So currently, if I'm if I want to get AMP to work, uh, I really my my best and only option is an app. Yes. Okay. I believe <laughs> uh, that was my understanding as yeah. well. And you know what? That's all of them. That's that is. Like, there's a few other questions, but I think we covered the others um, just in. Uh, in our conversation okay finally you obviously you have gone out on your own you have hung out your own shingle please plug it tell me about what the heck you're doing now and what why why we should care what shop critique yeah, yeah thanks so uh shop critique is the easiest way to describe it is it's a home inspection for your site, for your Shopify store. So obviously I bring the uh, technical theme and um, UX knowledge. And then I've partnered with two other people, uh, Laura and Jess, they're both fantastic for SEO and uh, marketing uh, as well. So we kind of cover those three areas and we have a variety of different audits that are uh, available. So um, we also do one on one consulting, which I mentioned. Yeah, it's basically a service where if you're, you know, looking at your site and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I just, I just need some help. I don't necessarily, you know, want to have a, a huge overhaul or anything. I just need to make it better, but I don't know where to start and I don't know what to prioritize. We come in and we say, okay, here's how what you prioritize for performance. Here's what you prioritize for your email marketing, for SEO, um, and things that they can do themselves too, which is, which is nice. You don't always have to hire a developer to do the stuff that we recommend. So it sounds like uh, every store is different and there's a million and one ways to spend your time and money on improving your theme. So if I'm wondering like, okay, where do I begin to improve my theme? What do I do? How do I prioritize my efforts? I can have, I could pay you the expert to come in and, and tell, work with me and give me a personalized roadmap for that. Yeah, exactly. And we also do user testing too. So you know how you have your, obviously, you know, uh, you have your awesome uh, test drives that you do. So yes, we do that, but for people's individual shops. So we're not looking at like these big brands or anything like that. We do it specifically for their shop. And what would this cost me? So uh, it ranges. Um, our currently our lowest package um, that we have is five hundred dollars. And do you have any special offers for our listeners? I do in fact. Um, so for anyone that is coming um, that heard about this on the podcast, if you just let us know that you heard about it on the podcast, you will get ten percent off. Oh, I let's ten percent off five hundred bucks, fifty bucks. I will take those savings. <laughs> All right, uh, and this has been insightful fantastic and you are a pleasure as always uh if i wanted to find out more about you where should i go you can check out shopcritique.com and we have lots of contact forms all over the place and just drop me a line there that's so if you want to get in touch with Anne, head to shopcritique.com you got it <laughs> fabulous all right we'll leave it there thank you oh thank you this was a blast if you've ever updated your Shopify theme, you know how time-consuming it can be, especially if you have to migrate customizations like app installs or language edits. Fortunately, there's a better way. The folks at Out of the Sandbox built a tool that makes updating your theme faster and significantly easier. It's called the Theme Updater app. With it, you can update your Out of the Sandbox or Pixel Union theme with the click of a button without losing any of your old settings, customizations, or app installations. 
You'll get email notifications whenever a new version of your theme is available, and with the Pro Plan option, you can enjoy access to priority theme support, retain custom language edits, and view template customizations to accelerate your theme updates. Start updating your theme today! Go to outofthesandbox.com unofficial to see the theme updater in action. And best of all, if you purchase Flex or Turbo using the code KURT20, you'll save 20% and get a year of access to the theme updater absolutely free. That's right, save 20% and get one year of updates and upgrades for free. That's code KURT20 for 20% off Flex or Turbo and one year free of the theme updater app. Never miss out on another theme update again. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors, so please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at ethercycle.com. Thanks for listening.